Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you folks? Hope you're well. Thanks for being here as always. Ah, shit. Here we go again. That's right. The Premier League is back. It starts tomorrow, Saturday, with Arsenal against Fulham at Craven Cottage. I think it's the first game of the brand new season. It doesn't feel like we've had much time since the old one stopped. It's been a weird, strange, surreal year in football terms, in in life terms, in societal terms. There's been a lot going on, and it's been a bit strange the last couple of weeks because the build-up to the new season, there hasn't been like the traditional off-season, if you like, because of the lockdown and the hectic end to last season. There was a few weeks off for the players and then they're back and it's all felt different because, well, frankly, it is different. But hopefully we are, as a football club, going to embark on a uh, on a new season, a successful new season. We've got a new manager, well, a relatively new manager, of course, Mikel Arteta. Uh, this is his first full season, even if it is still one that is beset with many challenges and difficulties that no previous manager has ever had to face because of all the things that COVID-19 has impacted and, and everything else. So, uh, yeah, who knows? quite what's going to happen, when it's going to happen and how, but we'll try and do our best to get on top of that during this particular episode. I'll explain to you what this one is about now in just a couple of minutes' time. A bit later on, I will give you the winners of our competition that we ran on the Arsecast Extra on Monday to win mugs, Arsenal mugs from Playbook Products, so I'll give you the winners of that competition a little bit later on, and also details of how you can get yourself 10% off one of those mugs if you weren't one of the lucky winners, so Stay tuned for that. Uh, as well as this particular episode today, we have the usual preseason. I was going to say preview, but it's not really a preseason preview. It's more of a preseason ramble conversation with Ken Early of Second Captains. So we've got two podcasts for you today. That's available right now on your Arsecast feed as well. So plenty to get into your ears before the new season starts. Uh, And as ever, look, we want to say thank you for being here. Thanks for listening, subscribing, and all the rest. We really, really do appreciate it. Final call if you're listening to this in in enough time to join the Arsblog Patreon uh, Fantasy Football League. You've got to be in it before the deadline, which I think is midnight Friday or 11 o'clock on Friday, or maybe it's 11 o'clock Saturday morning. I don't know. Anyway, it's very soon. Patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. You can win cash prizes. You can win Arsenal shirts, and you can try and finish with fewer points than me, because that's my aim. My aim is to finish absolutely dead last in the table by picking a team so full of, like, reserves and 'er ne'er-do-wells and injured players and guys who aren't going to get a look in half the time uh, for their team that there's just no way anybody could get less points than I will. Um, In fact, I'm hoping to finish on minus points. I don't know if that's possible, but I hope I can do it. Um, Right. Let's talk about this particular episode then, because it's a little bit different. Rather than talk to just one person about what, what lies ahead for this season, I thought I'd talk to a number of people and get a range 
range of opinions. So what I did was uh, I asked them all basically the same questions, and I've uh, sort of cut together the answers in you know topic by topic, question by question form. The guests today are Lewis Ambrose, who does the tactics column here on arsblog.com, Charles Watts of Goal, we've got Amy Lawrence, we've got Tim Stillman, and we've got James as well. So what I did was I put them uh, on the spot and asked them some questions about this season, what lies ahead about the squad, transfer business, and so on. Um, I'm sure you all know the voices or are well aware of the voices anyway, but uh, to give you the sort of key to it, in the first question, the order of appearance is James, then it's Charles, then Amy, Lewis, and finally Tim. And what I did was I started by asking them all for their assessment of the squad as it stands right now on the eve of a brand new Premier League season. It's in a better state than it was last season. Uh, I think we've improved it with the addition of Gabrielle and Willian. Um, but I don't think it's where we would like it to be. I, I think we're at least one player away from where we'd want to be. Uh, I think readiness is a really good word because I don't know that the new signings will be as ready as we might like at the start of the season. But I think that the, the recruitment work that we've done thus far has been okay. I think it's looking all right. I think the business Arsenal have done so far has been pretty good. They've, um, it's been pretty smooth sailing for a transfer window, really, for Arsenal. It's been pretty smooth sailing, really. They wanted William, they got him. Um, they wanted Gabriel, they got him. They wanted Sebastian, back, they've got him. There's still work to do, but um, you know, there's pretty, they've, they've worked pretty well in a transfer market considering the upheaval that they've had. There's still work to do, clearly. They, they need to do more, um, not just in terms of incomings, but possibly more importantly, outgoings as well. So... Um, I think they go to Fulham on Saturday. Relatively strong squad it was just under a month away before the transfer window closed, and I think Arsenal squad's going to look fairly different by the time that by the time October sixth rolls around. So there's still a lot of work to do. I wonder how different the squad will look in a few months' time, in a year's time, at the end of the season time. Uh, it feels like while there's been some interesting uh, and potentially really exciting changes that the work is half done. Uh, that's partly down to the ludicrousness of a season starting before a transfer window ends. So we always find ourselves in these situations where uh, you try and analyse, but you know you're kind of half analysing. Um, so I'd like to think that there's a bit more to come because I think the squad still needs amendments in both the uh, uh, entry and exit situations. But... It feels like it's definitely moving in some encouraging directions. The squad is a bit all over the place, isn't it? Defenders everywhere, uh, midfielders few and far between, and maybe the the front three or front four looks a little bit light once there's one or two injuries. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit mixed. And I guess there's just well, one more month to go and loads of loads of work to do both out and in, I would say. I'm actually, for the, for the first time in a while, I'm reasonably happy with the way they've gone about things this summer in that I think they've actually done quite a lot, quite a lot more than I think people realise because the Mari and Suarez signings are signings for this summer. Saliba is a signing for this summer. Um, you know, obviously they got Willian, they got Ceballos. Basically, they've got all of the low-hanging fruit done quite quickly. Um, which they don't always do, mm. um, which suggests to me they had a plan in advance um which is quite nice um and and now it's i'm sure we'll come on to this it's all about that other midfielder it's all about that kind of transformational um central midfielder i think i think this squad ceiling with the midfield as it is is probably six maybe fifth um, certainly not top four with this midfield and and i think the club know that and i think it was always going to take longer because that's going to be a more high profile deal more difficult to do and we're probably going to have to sell some players to do it so mm. um, I'm reasonably pleased with what's happened so far but now it's about that I, I almost look at it like um, and we probably won't be able to do this profile of signing but like Man United and Bruno Fernandes you know just that really obvious 
we need a real uptick in quality in midfield and we need that player that's just going to turn us um, from from you know a pretty pedestrian upper mid table midfield into into real kind of top four contenders. So for mm. me, um, that that's the big question. I think the club knew that that would happen, and I I always thought that that won't shake out until the end of the window. What about outgoing transfer business? So far, Arsenal have struggled to move players on and we may have to bite the bullet and let some players go who perhaps we don't want to leave. So your thoughts on potential departures? Arsenal seem to be very much trying to play their cards close to their chest. And while there's no secrets that they want to raise some funds and they also want to reduce the current size of the squad, you know, it's clearly... Uh, an excess there's too many players and I don't think it'll be helpful to Mikel Arteta I mean they're streamlining the club in many ways uh, in terms of the way they're organized and I think Arteta would probably love to have a quite streamlined squad without too many um, guys on the periphery who probably won't play that much because it is tough to keep people motivated and happy uh, if they don't feel like they're going to get a lot of opportunity uh, there are exceptions. Someone like Socrates, for example, last season, I think it became fairly clear he wasn't going to be playing much um, towards the latter half of the season. But he remained you know, a real model pro and, and a good guy around the place and really positive in the dressing room. But not everybody can do that. So there is a need to prune. Um, hopefully, Arsenal get to offload the ones they want to and, and keep everybody that they would like to. But... That might be tricky. It depends how much they need to raise funds. But they did say um, recently that sometimes they look at a slightly bigger picture. So while it's quite easy to turn around and say, okay, you need to sell to, to, to buy, there might be a case where they're looking at not just this window, but the next one and even the one after that and saying we m- might try and speculate a little bit by purchasing where possible, hoping that the money will come in a little further down the line. It's all difficult because it's such a fine uh, balancing act. It's not like they've got a piggy bank and what goes in and what goes out is really precise. Mm. So I think they're trying to be clever, as clever as they can in a really, really unpredictable market. But it's clear there's not a lot of movement very quickly. So I think as things go on, if it remains uh, a a very... tight market it wouldn't be surprising to see quite a lot of people go on loan towards the end of the window because they'll be trying to get fees where they can and do proper deals where they can but if not then it will just be a case of trying to get a a a workable size squad i think we have eight center backs and that's just I know a few of them are injured at the moment, but I don't see how we can go into a season or out out of the transfer window, at least, with eight centre-backs on the books. I uh, guess Socrates will leave. I'm really surprised that the the loan deal for Rob Holding to, to Newcastle, the plug seems to have been pulled on that, because um, I don't see much hope of getting rid of, uh, of Callum Chambers or Shkodra Mustafi while they're both injured. Other outgoings are just going to be dependent on who we can actually get money for. Uh, I, we do need to clearly raise money to bring more players in. So that probably means still one of the goalkeepers, probably Emmy Martinez, uh, offers being entertained there. One of the right-backs, Bellerin or Maitland-Niles. And beyond that, I think we're going to struggle to to get much money for anybody. Um, so I think we're probably going to have to sell those players, players that most of us would probably like to see stay at the club. Maybe Lacazette, but again, I don't think that solves anything. Uh, even if he's a player that could raise a bit more money, if they sell Alex Lacazette, they have to sign a striker. Um, yeah, so it's a really tricky one. I think the the difference between the players that we need to get rid of or would like to get rid of and the players that are actually likely to leave. Basically, I think I don't see how we can have Bellerin and Maitland-Niles and this great new midfielder. Um, I don't see how that can happen. Um, and whoever we sell between, uh, assuming we can get the right price and everything between Bellerin and Maitland-Niles will be unpopular, um, which I which I completely understand. Um, and, you know, I, I think with the goalkeeper situation, I think we'll see on Saturday. I think Saturday will set 
um, what happens with the goalkeeper situation. If Martinez starts, I think he'll stay. And if he doesn't, I think he'll he'll agitate quite strongly to leave. So, yeah, and, and look, that's just a symptom of the fact that we've bought very badly um, over, the, over the last few years because we've got players that that other teams don't want to buy. So I'm not, I'm not massively surprised that people aren't queuing up for Socrates and Mustafi and, and players like that. I, I guess my surprise is Torreira. I'm surprised we haven't been able to get, and maybe this is just a reflection of the financial situation in Serie A, but I'm surprised we haven't been able to get really proper concrete interest for him. And I'm probably more surprised than you are that we haven't had really solid interest in Genduzi as well. And I think that's fascinating what will happen there. I'm not sure Lacazette qualifies as an unpopular sale, but I th- I think certainly one of Bellerin or Maitland-Niles will go. And I, I suspect that maybe um, maybe Martinez will as well, which, which will be a shame. Um, but at least with those players, they're players we didn't really pay a lot of money for. They kind of, in one respect or other, came through the youth team and we've kind of extracted some value for them, which, mm. which hopefully softens the blow a little bit. Yeah, I think we've kind of been expecting one one sale this summer that maybe is going to be a bit of a tough one to take for Arsenal fans. Who it's going to be yet, we're not quite sh- so sure. I mean, there's been Ainsley Maitland-Niles' interest. Looks like that has been battered away and he will be staying. They've got the Emmy Martinez interest in a while. I think, we, you know, something's got to happen with the goalkeepers in the next few weeks. I can't, Arsenal won't go into it. I can't see Arsenal finishing the transfer window with both there, with both keepers still here. So someone's going to have to go and you'd imagine it's probably going to be Emmy. Um but then you got, yeah, Bellerin. It's, it's, there's going to be one big decision, I think. If Arsenal really want to go out and buy that big midfielder that they need, that they want, you know, Thomas mm. Partey, we all know how much they want him and it's been an ongoing thing. And if they're going to make that deal happen in the next few weeks, then they're going to have to sell someone. And as much as they would love to get rid of Guendouzi, they'd love to get rid of Ozil and free up that money from the wage bill. They've been struggling to do it. Torreira as well. I think Torreira will probably go in the next few weeks. It's, it's a case of whether it'll be a, a loan with a, option to buy or a permanent one right now and have to wait and see how that unfolds but I still don't think that's going to be enough they're going to have to make one big big sale and you kind of look at Hector and you know I don't want Hector to go I, I think it's great I think he's, he's shown signs as well recently that he might be getting dusting off the cobwebs and getting back to the Bellerin we, mm. we saw before the injury as well I thought he was good in the cup final I thought he was good in the community shield and you know you've got Maitland-Niles who's shown he can do that and if he's willing to do that that role long term you know, if you get 30 million for Bellerin can you in this market, can you say no to it? Really? I'm not sure they can. So yeah, I think, I think there will be one painful one, relatively painful one to take. And if I was putting money on who it'd be right now, it, it would probably be Hector. Well, I think, you know, I think our recruitment has been okay. I think our selling of players remains pretty bad. Uh, let's be clear about that. And I think I mean that in kind of every sense. I think when we sell players, we don't seem to extract as much money as other clubs. And I think there's been a bit of indecision as well about who will be sold or who can be sold or, you know, what we're exactly prepared to let go, which is slightly worrying, but kind of inevitable when you go through a big executive change in a very volatile transfer market. Uh, I think there's going to be a few players leaving the club and I think probably at least one of them people will have mixed feelings on. I don't think it's just going to be, you know, Socrates and we're all fine with it I think someone more substantial than that will be going I think there's a decent chance the Bellerin one happens What still needs to happen in the transfer market if you were in charge if there was one thing that you could absolutely make happen between now and the close of the window what would that be? A midfielder, and so let me let me kind of expand on that with with the type of midfielder. So I I'm kind of coming round to the idea that it won't be a number ten type that um, that Arteta doesn't really want to play that way. I, I tell you what's really kind of set my um, my thinking on that was. I was writing a piece the other day and I, I looked back at Phil Costa's profiles of both uh, Gabriel Magalhães and of William Saliba on Ask Blog. And, uh, and they're a year apart, these, these articles. But what's really interesting is they profile really similarly. Um, and obviously, I profiled Pablo Marie um, for his time at Flamengo and all three of them quite similar. And the thing that's really similar about them is they all played for teams who look to create from wide positions 
So I think Willian is the kind of creative signing. I don't think we're going to see a Coutinho type. I think the type of player in midfield is just someone who can take the ball on the half turn um, and just progress us up the pitch um, a little bit. I'm not, I'm not someone with a little bit of athleticism who can take the ball under pressure and, you know, maybe just get us 30, 40 yards further up the pitch. Cause I, I, d- I don't think we have that player. I don't think Sabios is quite that player. I think, I don't think Jack is that player. I think they're players really that play in the kind of the middle third, maybe towards their own defensive third. Mm. And I think we just need that player. Um, you know, if, if, if Abu Diaby was 10 years younger and <laughs> fitter, um, you know, someone of that kind of profile who can just really get the gears going in midfield and, and help us, you know, stop us playing that kind of horseshoe football, um, and then I think we'll look to create from wide with players like Pepe, Aubameyang and Willian out there. So that that's the profile of player I would be looking for. I feel like everyone's going to say central midfielder. Um, but, you know, in Shaka and Sabahis, we're kind of as we were last season. But I think we want to push beyond that. I think we want to have an option to play with a three. I want to be, we want to be able to rotate those guys as well if we need to. We want to create more chances from midfield. We want to score more goals maybe from midfield. So I would say a central midfielder. And I think it's got to be someone who can kind of connect the team. I know that's no small ask, but someone who is able to kind of be the, the oil in our engine to an extent, as I think Robert Pierce was once described. All these things depend on each other, obviously. But if, <laughs> like, screw it, even if it puts us in a bit of financial trouble and we're, we're grabbing pennies from somewhere... Um, I think the thing that Arsenal have to do is sign a creative player, uh, a midfielder who who can take players on, who can create chances. I think that's the, the big thing that's really been missing from this team for a couple of years now. It's tough because I really want to see him do two things. And I think Thomas Partey would make a huge difference for Arsenal. I, I really do. I think the midfield, for, for me, everyone's been focused on defence for a long time at Arsenal and the defence have been bad. But, but I think you sort the midfield out and that defence improves immeasurably, immeasurably because they're... They give up. They free. They give up too many shots. I mean, they improved massively under Arteta, and they suddenly yeah. started playing with structure. And Sabayas and Jack have started playing very well together. But I still think you kind of need more than that. And a player like Party, who's he's not just a you know big sort of powerful ball winner. He's got more to his game th- than that. Um, you know, he can drive forward. He can he, he can break the lines. He can he can even chip in with your goal. Now he's really developed under Simeone, and I think he'd make a huge difference for Arsenal. And but I do think as well that that real creative spark in a more attack, in a more attacking third from midfield is missing as well. We saw it, well, we've seen it plenty of times against the teams when Arsenal can't really play on the counter-attack. Mm. We saw it against Villa at the end of last season, you know, just after they beat and see. When, you're not, when they're not getting that much space to play on the counter, they still struggle to break teams down. And you know, Maybe Mesut will get <laughs> chance 55 uh, in, uh, in the coming weeks. We'll have to wait and see what Mikel does with him, but he still not, doesn't really look like he's going to be the answer anymore and so I'd love to see him go out there and buy that real creative spark as well in the mm. in the sort of attacking midfield option so for me there's two but I think if I had, had one choice it'd probably be it would probably be party because I just think he'd make a huge difference it'd be the same thing that it's been for what feels like decades <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of the closest thing you can find in the world to a Patrick Vieira I know there aren't many but um a, a midfielder with uh power, uh, athleticism, defensive instincts, stability, uh, good energy, uh, the ability to dominate, the ability to break up play. Uh, a, a powerhouse towards the base of midfield would be a priority. There's obviously one really obvious answer to this question, but maybe you have a, a different perspective on this. If you could pick out one player from the squad right now who could be a, a key player next season, who would that be? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously I thought of Aubameyang, um, but I decided to choose someone a bit different, actually, because I think that Kieran Tierney is going to have a massive season for Arsenal. Um, I actually think he'll have such a good season that he will be in contention to be our player of the season. And so I am going to say him. I think he, he, he's, he had a lot of injury problems when he first arrived, but he's settled since then. I think he finished fantastically. I think whether we play in a back three or a back four, 
he's going to start. I think he's probably our best defender. I hope our defence is going to improve. And if it does, I feel like he's going to be a massive part of that. So I'm going to say him. I, I honestly think William Saliba could be massive. Um, obviously, Aubameyang, we, we, you right. know, he, he's, he's a key man. He's, he's a guy who's going to score 25, 30 goals, hopefully, again next season. And, and if you do that, you're going to go some way towards getting some sort of success if you've got a striker scoring those goals. But I think Saliba, the potential he has, and everyone I've spoken to him about... Um, just said, you know, said, said he's so he could be so so good, and um, I think he could make a dramatic impact on this Arsenal team if he comes in and, and settles in relatively quickly and starts to perform. Um, so I think he could be a key player. I mean, like I said, Aubameyang clearly is the is the man who's going to probably be the difference between Arsenal having a mediocre season or, or a good one. But um, I do think at the back, with the ability and the potential that I believe he has, that if Saliba settles quickly and starts to live up to that, it'll make a massive impact to this club. OK, so I'm going to avoid the Aubameyang um, answer. Um, I, I'm going to say Willian. And the reason mm. I'm going to say Willian is, you know, given what I've just said, that I think that Arsenal's plan will be to try and create from wide. I think Willian is, the more I've thought about it, is exactly the type of player that Arsenal have really been missing. You know, we've we've gotten rid of all of these dribblers over the years, you know, Wilshere, Cazorla, Rizitsky, Chamberlain, Sanchez, um, and we just haven't really replaced them. Um, I, I'm not sure Pepe's that type of dribbler, really. Um, I think he's someone who, who finds space rather than really takes people on. Uh, Willian is is just really good in short spaces at taking, you know, dropping the shoulder, getting around the fullback. And, and, you know, when you look at Arsenal's principal problem to solve is to beat those teams that put eight players in their penalty box. I, I think he really goes a long way potentially to helping there. Um, I don't love the three-year contract. If this was a two-year deal, I'd say it's a really, really good one. I don't love that third year, but I'll maybe worry about that in mm. 2022. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Willian. And, and I think also what's interesting about the Willian signing is we've now got potentially four five attackers who you know, would say are like starting 11 quality. And I think there's a lot of um, opportunity for interchange, um, both in the positions they start in, but also in terms of rotation. So I can really see a front three of Willian, Aubameyang and Pepe, like really rotating positions during a game and, and just trying to be a bit more unpredictable mm. um, and move defences about a bit. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say I think Willian's going to be a really key player for us next season. That's a really good question. I mean, Obama Yang remains hugely significant. But if you're looking at where there might be a change, um, you're hoping for one of the two centre-backs who have come in who are very young to fairly quickly have a huge impact. That's a big ask. But um, And I don't know which one of the two is likelier to advance more quickly. But it would be, I think, um, a major boon for Arsenal to have a great, big, tall, uh, confident, composed, uh, clever centre-back just being in that position to give a bit more, um, a bit more all-round robustness to that back line. Yeah, the obvious one is Pyramid Aubameyang. But I think we more or less know that we can rely on him. So I'm going to go with Nicola Pepe. I think our season could very much, or how our season goes, could very much depend on how well Pepe plays, um, how much of an improvement there is from last season, how much he offers us going forward creatively, but also getting on the end of things. I think there was definitely an improvement under Arteta, and I think we, I think we probably all of us unanimously would say that the FA Cup final was his best game for Arsenal so far. Um, and the the defenders that have come in, that will sort of take care of itself. The big concern that I have is Arsenal creating chances and scoring goals. Uh, who's going to back up Aubameyang in that regard? Who's going to create for him? But then who's also going to chip in with with ten goals from somewhere? And I think that Pepe has got to be the the one that we're looking to more than others to do that. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What about a player who might just give us a bit of a surprise next season? I don't necessarily mean somebody who's going to win us games every week, but based on the expectations that people have right now, who could be the surprise package? I really hope that it's Eddie Nketiah. I think he is super intelligent in, with his pressing, but also his movement. I know if you saw there was this lovely clip of um, of his chance at Wembley uh, in the Community Shield, um, the the one that Bukayo Saka pulled back for him, and it all started from Nketiah actually sort of directing the ball while Liverpool were in possession and blocking off passing lanes and then charging into press and winning the ball back. He's, I think he can play that sort of that role that Arteta seems to want from his striker. He can scrap and fight and work hard. And yeah, he's just got a nose for goal. And I think there's something we've obviously got a few other academy players, but there's something so enticing about uh, an academy player who actually scores goals and, even if it might not be many, uh, just a striker who one one of your own to use that cliche that everybody uses mm. now that can actually win a game for you. And if that's from starting or coming off the bench, I think I think he's improved a lot, and I think there's a lot to still come from Inketia. Such a good question because there were so many surprises last season. Um, I, even looking at sort of from from the Jaka Mustafi revival type of players to the youngsters, uh, Saka, uh, Willock and so on, who who just came on and, and brought that incredible vigour. Maitland-Niles, who turned into a player that I, I'm not sure anyone quite had that same uh, feeling towards uh, when he first broke through and suddenly the, the idea of him leaving became terrifying. Um, uh, I wonder, I'm curious about Willian. I'm curious to see what kind of impact he can have on the team, where he's going to play. Um, there is a, a, a big hole. Um, some might say he has a sort of shadow of Meza Ozil-shaped hole uh, in terms of the creativity between the lines. And that's something that really felt like it needed addressing. So if working on the assumption that Ozil is not necessarily going to be reintegrated and find his peak form... Um, it's going to be p- possible for someone like Willian to really make a difference in between the lines. I think I'm going to say Eddie and Ketia. I think that expectations are quite sort of, uh, what can I say? <laughs> Temperate as regarding him. Um, but I think he's going to fare a bit better than people expect. I think he'll get more goals than people imagine. Uh, I've got a feeling I said this last season as well and was wrong, (laughs) but uh, I I just think, I mean, maybe there's a bit of recency bias. I saw, you know, the highlights of his performances in the under 21s. And I, you know, when I see him play with such confidence there, I do think if he could get a couple of goals in the Premier League, he could really make a big impact. And I'm not saying he's going to play every game or score 20 goals or anything like it. But I think he might make a, a telling contribution. I'm going to say David Luiz. Um, I've I've always like flown a little flag for Luiz, uh, and I'm not quite sure why. I think it's because I think the kind of the quote unquote narrative around him is slightly simplified, not massively, but slightly. 
I think he's got a really, really interesting role this season where he's clearly like he's basically kind of smoothing the path to his own redundancy because we've got two young centre backs that have come in. Uh, one's Brazilian as well and doesn't speak any English at the moment. So that will make Louise very important to him, both on the training ground and during games. Uh, Louise also speaks French, by the way, which might be useful for Saliba. And I think it's really obvious that he's going to be the guy who at the beginning of the season is going to start alongside one or maybe both of these young guys. And that eventually the idea will be to wean off of David Louise so that by the time his contract ends, he is essentially redundant. I think that um, Louise really, really relishes this like mentor role. And you can see it. All the young guys, um, all of his clubs have said that he's, you know, particularly on the training ground, like, you know, always kind of taking care of them and talking to them. Mm. I, I think Louise's issue has always been one of concentration. Um, and, and actually I think that this is really going to concentrate him and motivate him. This idea that, um, he's kind of bringing these young guys on and from his, you know, his kind of, I guess his legacy point of view, this is his last year in the premier league. He'll probably go to Benfica next year. And I, and I think, um, he'll think, right, this is my last year in England. Maybe people have got a divided opinion of me. And I, I think he'll be very determined, um, to kind of, to, I guess, um, smooth that off. So I, I'm going to say David Luiz. I think Eddie could be on for a really good season this season. I, I think it's not quite happened for him yet. We haven't had that real breakthrough season. You sort of look at what Martinelli did last season. You kind of expected that maybe from Eddie and it didn't happen. But I think Eddie's developed massively under Mikel. Um, I think he's turning into a better player every time I see him. And I thought he was great in the community shield again. The only thing missing with Eddie, and it's weird because he's such a good finisher when he doesn't play in the senior side. When he plays in the senior side, he seems to struggle in front of goal at the moment. It's just clearly that confidence thing for me. You look at the goal he scored for the under-21s, you know, there was no panic there. He went through one-on-one, had loads of time to think about it, and a little dink over the keeper. We haven't really seen that ice-cool touch in front of goal for him yet at Arsenal. And he's just shown everything else. And Again, the goal yesterday for England, he wants to press in high. And you know, that's something that's developed so much under our tail. It's becoming a thing with Eddie now. Um, and you know, I just think if he if he calms down a little bit when he gets his chances in front of goal, I think he could be on for a 10, 15-goal season. And um, you know, that'll be massive for him and, and very important for Arsenal as well. So I think I, I reckon Eddie could surprise a few, a few people this season with the amount of goals he might score. Arsenal won the cup last season, a great way to end it, but it was a bad season overall, finishing eighth in the Premier League. Based on that and everything that's going on, what would realistically be a good season for Arsenal this year? Improvement, um, more stability and more excitement, uh, getting as close as humanly possible to the top four, which one would hope is higher than eighth or seventh or sixth um, or, or even fifth. Uh, I, 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 my gut says fifth feels like a likely-ish finish, but, you know, so, so much can happen that you don't know if it could go remarkably better or worse. But that seems achievable. And I think coming from eighth and having to still leapfrog quite a number of teams, that would be, I think, still... A, a very, very respectful improvement. And Cups. Arsenal have shown that Cups are part of their heritage. Um, and it, it's a habit that it's fantastic for the club that they're able to sustain even when things aren't going great. So I think the Cups are, are there to be attacked as well. And Europa League would be a great one to win because of the double prize. I think it's got to be top four. I know it's boring, but I think it has to be. I think what it would mean for the club, for finances, for the players, just to get back into the Champions League would be huge. You can't dream too big too soon, can you? Can't. I mean, they're not going to realistically challenge Arsenal, um, Liverpool, Manchester City at the moment. I think no. those two are so far ahead of everyone. And they've shown it. And although Arsenal have beaten them both recently, I think over a 38-game season, it's unrealistic to think they're going to challenge. But and uh, but I think if they get themselves in the top four, you, that would be a very, very good season for Arsenal. It's been a long time now since they've been in the Champions League. And, if they can get themselves back there, then you have to say it's been a successful season. I think it's realistic. I think it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Um, you know, they weren't that far off last season, even had a dreadful season. And mm. season season before that, they were only what, one point on it in the end after they threw it away. So I think it's realistic. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a shoe in, but they've got they've got as good a chance as any. 
Really good question, that one. It's difficult uh, to define. I think my expectations are maybe slightly lower than everybody else in that I think having sort of dropped into mid-table last season, I think if Arsenal kind of reset and get themselves back into the top six, I think that's okay. I think I'd be pre- I'd be relatively content with that. If I felt like the direction of travel was good and that we had foundations in place, maybe with a younger, newer defence that we could build on going forward, um, I think I would accept that for sure. Um, a top four, obviously, would be great. But I think top four with this squad, with the competition that's around it, would be a pretty great season in terms of what's a good season mm. I'd like to think runs in the cups and and certainly top six I think outside of the top six is uh, has to be a failure for a club of Arsenal standing if we take out the absolute financial imperative to get back in the Champions League I mean if you're taking it in isolation get like getting back in the top six um, really and Arsenal re-establishing themselves there which I think I, on one, I'm kind of divided on this because on one hand I kind of think we finished 8th and we deserve to finish 8th and in fact some of our underlying metrics were even worse so there is a long way to go but then there's a part of me that thinks well two seasons ago under um, in my view a significantly worse coach we finished 5th um, and we weren't that far off 4th and in fact we should have won four, we should have got 4th mm. and, and you know it just we just blew up. So there's another part of me that thinks maybe we're not that far away, but um, it, like in isolation, re-establishing ourselves in that top six and separating ourselves from the likes of Leicester and Wolves again. But I mean, obviously we need to get back in the Champions League by hook or by crook. Um, I, th- I think without a midfield addition, I think six is our ceiling. Um, if we get a good midfielder, I think, we could certain we'd certainly be in the conversation for the top four or winning the Europa League. Um and, and I think it's time for us to do one or other of those for different reasons. It's it's time to win a European trophy and we'll go into the Europa League as one of the favourites again. You know, we might be relying on a Chelsea or a Man United having having a bit of a bad season to get in the top four, but that is not without precedent. So um, yeah, it's it's really it's all eyes on the Champions League. Like we've we've won a few domestic cups in the last few years, that, and and they're brilliant. But um, you know that that's almost like we've we've kind of ticked, we've scratched that itch quite nicely. I think I think it's you know it's it's really time at least for one more season to get ourselves back in there. I think it's all about the the direction of travel, and we all want to see just improvement and we want to see that we're going in the right direction and that in three or four or five years from now, we could win the league um, and before then be back in the Champions League. I think realistically, top six. I think we we should be in the top six, no mm. doubt in my mind. Um, I don't know if this squad's quite good enough yet to be in the top six, but as a club, we should definitely always be in the top six. Um I would I would like to see a, a challenge for top four. I think it's maybe a bit unrealistic to just think after you look at the money Chelsea have spent and the way Man United ended last season and they could still spend a lot of money. Um, I think it's unrealistic to hope for more than top six, but I would at least like to see us challenging for top four. Finally, just one thing that you would like to see happen this season uh, around Arsenal, the club, the team, whatever it might be. It doesn't necessarily have to be success, but just something personal that you'd like to see from this season. Again, it probably sounds a bit boring, but just progress or continued progress. So I think what we saw from our te- under Arteta was great last season, but you just want to see that sort of consistency now for a whole season under him and continue to see the signs of progress, continue to see players improving and evolving under him. I mean, we saw with with Emery, I mean, it's interesting, Arsenal going to Fulham on Saturday and we all know the last game against Fulham, the 5-1, that we've got our Arsenal back game <laughs> proved to be a massive flash in the pan, didn't it? And, <laughs> um, and I, well, I'd just love to see that what we saw under Arteta last season and the cup win and everything like that, isn't just a flash in the pan and we suddenly see Arsenal reverting back to being crap <laughs> week in, week out um, this season. And so I just want to see them continue to evolve and looking like this team that now knows what they're doing, that they've got a plan, they've got a structure and that they all believe in each other. And um, so I just really want to see that. And I just see a little bit of enjoyment again. Let's face it, it's been pretty dull watching Arsenal for a fair while now. We were so blessed under Arsenal 
for so long that we could at least enjoy games. Maybe didn't go our way all the time, but we could at least enjoy games, see good football. And, um, you know, I'd love to see a little bit of that again, just the excitement of going back to Arsenal and enjoying what we're all seeing. And I'd love to see fans back in the stadium as well, because I think that would make a huge difference. Well, listen, I don't know how realistic this is, and it doesn't feel very realistic right now, but fans is what I would like. You know, I would mm. love that. I, I, I just would love to see, you know, a good chunk of fans back in the stands, atmosphere, that chemistry that happens between players and supporters, the sort of, you know, the kind of, without being too sentimental about it, the kind of magic of that really and the day out it is. I'm saying this and as I'm saying it, I'm sort of feeling like, it's prob- I, you know, my hopes of it actually happening in a way that feels sort of meaningful and like a true reflection of the experience are kind of diminishing. Um, but if you're offering me like a wish, that's what I would take. This one's difficult. There are so many things that, that we all want to see. Um, and it's like last season, the the review that you and Andrew Allen put together, um, it, it was, yeah, mm. so much stuff happened. I, I want not so much stuff to happen. Um, the, what I really want to see is fun. or I want to experience fun watching Arsenal again Um, and I think that's been sucked out of the club a bit over the past few years be it uh, Unai Emery's brand of football or uh, the squad that we've we've been left with now or or last season Mm. the last year or two with Arsene Wenger and uh, all of the debate around that and most matches just weren't fun none of the discourse was fun Um, yeah I, I want to see Arsenal play and it sounds probably quite, um, to fans of other clubs, it probably sounds like quite arrogant and big club and, you know, we're quite privileged to support Arsenal, obviously. I just want to see us play a few teams that beat them by four or five goals and, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, at home like we used to. Um, and that doesn't mean doing it every week because no one can. And it doesn't mean winning the league and it doesn't even mean being in the top four. But when we when we play the, the relegation and teams, when the teams that have come up or the teams that are likely to go down uh, when we're playing them, especially at home. I want to see us race into a two-goal lead and the the remaining 75 minutes aren't full of stress, but uh, <laughs> us racking up goals and just enjoying watching Arsenal play football again. So um, I've been thinking about this this morning and, uh, and we're talking on the morning that the third kit's been released and Adidas, as they usually do, put together like a really nice video with uh, Mikel Arteta at the centre of it. And I'm just watching, you know, watched the video and watched all the comments. And uh, what, what really strikes me is how um, how unified Arsenal fans are behind this manager. And one of the kind of, I guess, big shames of the last few months is that we haven't been able to be in the stadium for the players to really gauge, I guess, the change in mood among Arsenal fans and the fact that even though we've just had our worst season in 25 years, that this is the most optimistic I've seen the Arsenal fan base for quite a long time. And I guess what I'd really like, um, you know, assuming at some point this season fans will steadily be allowed back in the stadium. First of all, I'd really like the players to see and feel that and I just really like um, maybe with this kind of pause from being able to go to games for that atmosphere at Arsenal just to just to kind of just to become a really positive place to be again and um, yeah and you know like because obviously the end of the the Wenger era was was very divisive and then you had this like fucking ridiculous stuff like people deciding that Arsenal fan TV was a thing they wanted to fight about at away games which just to me I'm sorry I will never be able to get my head around I think it's absolutely bizarre um, that kind of um, desire for conflict I just want all that to go away and I just really want um, this kind of optimism and this energy I feel from the Arsenal fan base um, as and when we get back in the stadium in whatever numbers, I really want to see that uh, manifest itself and I really want the manager and the players to see it. So I, I think um, I think just Arsenal fans may be fighting a bit less and not looking for stupid fucking things to fight about and <laughs> actually like getting behind this team and feeling quite optimistic about it is something I'd really like to see. A full house. A full house and a, a different song when Arsenal win. <laughs> a match to go home to. The Sweet Caroline campaign starts here, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Anything but. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you very much indeed to Amy, to Charles, to Lewis, to Tim, and to James. And uh, if you don't already follow them on Twitter, I'm not going to read out all their Twitter handles right here, but visit the show notes. You'll find them there or on the blog post on arsblog.com. So, look, I think the consensus is we need somebody in midfield. There's still some work to do in terms of outgoings, um, but those are things that will be dictated to, to a large extent, I think, by the market itself and the way that the window is still open until October the 6th. So, expect some what's the word i would use here what's a good word what is the word i'm thinking of not upheaval but kind of distraction perhaps a little instability uh, among the squad for the first few weeks of the season but i don't think we're going to be alone there at all we are not going to be alone because every other club is going to be doing the same thing as the window uh, approaches its close they're going to be trying to make things happen to improve their own squads to get rid of players they don't want anymore so i think between now and the 6th of october a lot will happen uh, how much of it we're going to love how much we we'll like how much we'll tolerate and how much we'll hate we'll have to just wait and see maybe that's something we can address in a podcast when the window closes and we can make a a proper assessment of the squad i suppose as well that uh, having asked the questions of my guests i should answer them briefly myself uh the state of the squad right now i don't think we're short on numbers there isn't an, uh, an issue with a lack of numbers in areas of the pitch because we've got goalkeepers, we've got all the defenders, we've got lots of central midfielders. Um, when you think about it, you know, there's Shaka, Ceballos, Willock, Elneny, Genduzzi, Torreira, still at the club, of course. Some, you know, may go. Uh, Mesut Ozil, Emil Smith-Rowe, Bakayo Saka can play in there, you know. So it's not a question really of of numbers. I think it's a question of quality and certainly um there are there are issues to be dealt with within the squad but we're not struggling to put players out it's struggling i suppose to increase the overall quality of the squad um outgoings look we are gonna have to sell some players it's as simple as that we are gonna have to maybe swap some players maybe that's the way it's gonna go or we're gonna have to let some players uh, go for free whatever it might be um i see psg are buying a right back so maybe they don't want hector and i think that's good i'd rather keep him uh, i i have a feeling that emmy martinez will be the one to go and that's uh that's 20 million pounds if it gets to that that we did not expect to get for that player even four or five months ago, you know? And I really like him. I I don't think he's done anything to lose his place in the team, but I think the circumstances and what he wants from his career maybe uh, force our hand a little bit there. Um, so we'll see what happens. The one thing that needs to happen in the transfer market, you will be not surprised to hear that I think it's a midfielder. Um, I think we need to bring in quality in midfield. Um So, you know, that's not giving you anything that the other guys didn't say. Key player for the new season for me, I'm going to go with Nicolas Pepe. I think he's had a year to settle in and it's been a weird, strange, difficult, traumatic year in many ways, managerial upheaval and the the people who brought him to the club are gone. But he seems to be gelling with what Mikel Arteta wants. And even if people can look at his first season as underwhelming based on what we paid for him, he still came close to double figures in goals and assists. Uh, All things considered, that's not a bad return. And if he can build on that then, you know, I think he's going to be somebody who could become really, really important throughout the season, particularly as we do need someone to take a little bit of the burden off Aubameyang, who, of course, remains the the main man. A surprise package. I'm torn a little bit between Emile Smith-Rowe and Joe Willock. I think Joe Willock is somebody who gets a little bit of a hard rap. He's still young, still 20, played 44 games last season. I don't think he's going to be starting week in, week out or anything like that. But if he can build on that and become you know, part of the Europa League team, part of the Cup uh, competitions team and still contribute at Premier League level, 
I think he could do better than some people think uh, he's capable of, and I'm not writing off a 20-year-old just yet. Realistically, a good season for Arsenal. Let's get more points. If we can get into the top four, brilliant. I'm not sure that's necessarily realistic, but certainly turning some of the draws that we had last season into wins is not unreasonable. And if we can do that and maintain some of the other results, then we could do better in terms of points. I hope we score more goals. I hope we concede fewer goals. Those sort of improvements which see us finish higher up the table, give us something to build on next season, uh, the season after this one. I think realistically now, that has to be considered good. Of course, it's difficult to rationalize that, let's say, next April when maybe... You know, the, the, the stakes have changed or the situation has changed, but improvement and, and just uh, giving ourselves something that we can build on again with another transfer window. I think, you know, based on what happened last season, how poor a lot of it was, where we were, how we got there, we're kind of still having to dig ourselves out of a bit of a hole. So that's not always easy, and I think there'll be some ups and downs along the way. And the one thing you'd like to see and hope for during the new campaign... I think Tim's point was great about, you know, being able to share some of the positive feeling from the fans, from the supporters because of the the FA Cup success we had, because of the the renewed optimism that we have about uh, Mikel Arteta and what he's capable or what we hope he's capable of doing. I think that's a really important point. So if there's a way and if it's safe for fans to get back into the stadium to do that, um, that would be amazing because it would also mean that some of the issues that we're facing on a societal level are being addressed uh, and hopefully are are moving behind us um there's a lot has got to happen obviously for that to uh, to take place safely for everybody but uh, if that's if that's what we can end up with at some point during the season then that will be really something to to hope for and uh, keep fingers crossed for also uh, a complete ban on the word agenda I promised you earlier the winners of a competition that we ran on the Arsecast Extra on Monday thanks to Playbook Products, their Arsenal mugs. You can find them at playbookproducts.co.uk, playbookproducts.co.uk. I think there's a .com version as well if you're outside the UK. And we asked you a question. It was all to do with Robbie Williams and the team that he supports, which is, of course, Port Vale. Still had no confirmation one way or the other if Robbie Williams is alive or not. But look, we have got bigger things and more important things to worry about this weekend, like, you know, beating Fulham. That's that's what we've got to contend with. Anyway, we have winners of the competition. They are Finian Bamber, Catherine Feely, and Jaideep Doshi. So congratulations to you. The random number generator did its thing and it plucked your numbers, your names out of the hat. Thanks to everybody for your entries. We really do appreciate it. We'll have some more competitions over the next uh, few weeks as well. So keep an ear out for those. I'll be in touch with you guys to get your details um, and we'll get the prizes sent out to you. If you would like to uh, purchase one of the mugs from playbookproducts.co.uk, you can use the code ARSCAST at checkout to get 10% off. That's ArsCast at checkout. Use that code and you'll get 10% off. Playbookproducts.co.uk. Right. So that's it. That's it for this particular episode. It is almost upon us. The new season is here. Who knows what it will bring? As ever, since the time I was a child, I have this weird sense of optimism that anything might happen. I know it's a head versus heart thing at this point in my life. You know, I know, I know, I'm realistic, I'm not stupid, I see what's going on, but like, deep within, at the start of every new season, there's this little flutter, this little kind of feeling that anything could happen, and maybe, maybe, this could be our year. You know, I'm not putting any money on it, but I'm hoping all the same. And look, we're going to share it together here on the podcast, on the website uh, and everything else. So buckle up, strap yourselves in and uh, let's get ready for a brand new Premier League, Europa League, EFL Cup, FA Cup season. Let's see what it brings on the pitch, off the pitch, whatever happens. We'll be talking about it. We'll be writing about it. We'll be dealing with it here on arsblog.com. So as ever, thank you for being here. James and I will be here on Monday with a first Arse cast extra of the brand new season join us for that please uh have yourselves a great weekend i realize it's incumbent upon 
on uh, those chaps uh, tomorrow at Craven Cottage. So if you could make all of our weekends better, we would really, really appreciate it. So fingers crossed for a good result tomorrow. Come on, Arsenal, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Okay, folks, um, settle down there now, please. Take your seats because we've got a very important meeting to get underway here. As a small agency, we've got a huge opportunity here, okay, because we've been given the job of making the video to accompany Arsenal's fifth kit for this season. For those of you who haven't seen it, look, I'm just going to put the PowerPoint on here. There you go. And you can see it's an amazingly... um, eye-catching design. I think you would say it's got a beautiful orange shirt with some purple stripes and a few spots on there. Pink shorts. Well, I'm not sure if they're pink or cerise. I think cerise sounds slightly better. And turquoise socks. So, you know, it's a real colour extravaganza. So let's throw out some ideas there about the way these colours can represent Arsenal and there are many fans across the world. Anybody got any ideas there? Anybody new? Nobody's got any idea what we could do with this, no? Eh, uh, I do. Yeah, but you're just like uh, the tea boy or something, but... Well, I suppose if nobody else has got anything to say, yeah, let's hear what you've got to uh, to add to the conversation. Uh, you know, you could just sort of make up some bullshit about how it's all about family and history and heritage and that. You know, lay it on thick. Delete that shit up. Fucking great. Sounds like a plan. Lorcan, give that guy a proper job. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.